begin now. All right. I like this. What I mean by this is that it's just continuously staying lighter later. Big fan. Big fan. Because now when the Royals start to play and you all get saddened and this show doesn't exist because baseball does and the, the boys on the diamond take over the airwaves, I'll be able to extend my playing time on the golf course. I think you could still play one more hole as of right now. Judging by the light. Probably your last hole. But, I mean, that means you could tee off at 2.30 these days. So, that's nice. Dusty with you. Blake with you. After hours here on 610 Sports Radio, 6 to 9 p.m. Monday nights are officially back. Um, To everyone that uh, came along for the ride during the football season. For the Nate Taylor show, for the Chiefs Kingdom show with Mitch Holtis. And then, of course, uh, the Red Reaction show that a lot of you were fans of and and participated and appreciate it. But the weekend is over. Um, Monday is back. This week should go pretty quick like they always do, right? It just seemed like the, uh, I don't know, it just seemed like last week was, was a fast week. This weekend, though, um, not a lot crazy happened other than the fact that it rained mud. Um, not really sure about that. I've never been more confused in my life than I woke up in the morning and my car was just covered in like red mud. Um, didn't like it. Not necessarily a fan of it. I mean, there's no reason to, to go get your car. Well, I mean, some people probably were, um, a little put off by it and at their car wash. But uh, according to Lindsay Anderson of 41 action news, KSHB, she says, uh, the rain didn't exactly clean cars last night. The storms were so strong that they brought in dirt from Texas slash Oklahoma all the way to Kansas City. This dust is now evident after the raindrops have evaporated this morning. So there's that. That's always nice, right? Rain's supposed to be like the rain's supposed to be like God's car wash, and we got uh, we got straight mudded. Like even the windows in the studio right now are just completely uh, doused in Texas and Oklahoma filth. Not that anybody wanted that. That's crazy. I don't know. I don't know if that's just like one of your like 420 moments in life, right? Like to think that like mud came all the way from Texas and Oklahoma and then just left its imprint in the in your state and just said, sorry. Also, didn't know Jay Glazer was as jacked as he is. He just posted a picture of him in some foreign country with his wife. I think it's his wife. It probably is. And uh, he says all's going well, and the guy's just got veins at his pecs. I don't know. You could have veins all the way up there, but good for Jay Glazer. So, yeah. It's called steroids, Dusty. Mm. I don't know if he does them. Have you seen his head? Yeah. But, I mean, I, I don't know, man. I hope not. He's not, like, completely. I mean, he is yoked for sure. Jay Glazer, good for you, man. Good for you. I don't think the stigma on steroids should be as bad as we have labeled it throughout the years. That's a bold take to say. I mean, they're not good. 
They're uh I, I don't know. I don't know if Glazer is nine one three five eight six seven six ten is Jay Glazer. Uh is he on I don't know. He you know, he had the mental health thing, so that was tough. I don't know if you would do that with steroids or me. I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I have no no proof of that. Um purely speculation. Yeah. So Jake Paul this weekend, that's your that's your thing, Blake. You like uh you like watching dudes in trunks uh throw throw fists at each other. Um I don't really know much about Jake Paul. I know he's kind of annoying in my in my personal belief. I'm not really like it's not something that gets me to to get off the couch or go to somebody's house to watch it. I'll follow it on social media. I was busy yesterday during this fight, but I, I do wonder, um, is it over for him? Like, was he supposed to go until he was undefeated or now is this just like evidently obvious that we're going to get a, me- a rematch between him and this Fury kid? So whether you like Jake Paul or you hate Jake Paul mm-hmm. personally, not necessarily a fan of him, yeah. but what he has done is actually very tactically smart. He used a bunch of old MMA guys to kind of build his base and build this platform for him to go box on. Mm -hmm. They didn't really have any boxing backgrounds. Now, he is athletic. Him and his brother were both former state wrestlers, uh, and I believe his brother was a college wrestler for at least a year. But Mm -hmm. So they are at least athletic dudes. I mean, hell, they're 6'1", 6'2", 200 pounds, 184 pounds. So they are not just chumps. And, yes, you can add the YouTuber, uh, you know, kind of title behind them. But Mm -hmm. um, he does take it very seriously. And you can tell that in his skill set. So he had fought in all these former MMA guys. This was his first fight against an actual legitimate recognized boxer in Tommy Fury, Tyson Fury, the heavyweight champion of the world's younger brother. Mm. In my opinion, this actually just bolstered his skill set in front of a lot of people because Tommy is a real boxer. Tommy got the dub. He ended up giving Jake Paul the first L of his career. You get the decision, right? it was still an impressive showing from Jake Paul, which again, love the guy or hate the guy, whatever side you lean. I don't care. I have my own personal beliefs in the guy, but I can't say that he doesn't have skill inside the ring. Yeah. I just wish that he would. It's just kind of interesting because here's how I perceive it. And then we can move on. I mean, I don't know. We can talk about for a little bit, but like the way that I look at it is he claims that he's in it for the sport. But, yeah, this is the first boxer he actually fought. Everyone else he's fought, it's kind of been a joke. The person in the ring doesn't necessarily look like they have it, or maybe the person that he's in the ring with didn't really, like, give it their all. I would say that's just my – and I've watched a couple of his fights. I think from a promotional side of it, he's very, very good at it. He's very good at, like you describe him, like him or hate him, which is exactly what you should be in this field. But it is kind of interesting to me that the first time he fights fights somebody with just the slightest to more than the slightest boxing background, he's beaten. And it's like, okay, so like now we've seen it, right? Now we've seen you beat these guys up that are not in a field in which they are boxers. And now you fought somebody that has a boxing background and you you lost. Like, according to the judges, you lost. And it wasn't like a knockout. So he still has not had that happen to him yet, which I think a lot of people would love to see. Um, I also think knockouts are like home runs. That's what we that's what we kind of dig, right? And look, I mean, is boxing relevant because of him? Absolutely. Has he done his job? 100%. Did he come from a platform that a lot of people consider uh, kind of a, a cheating gateway? Sure. But you know what? He made it entertaining. 
His brother's doing things in the WWE, which is apparently going very well, right? And, I mean, he was at Royal Rumble, for God's sakes. And, you know, I think that they are officially at the house money. I don't think they've gotten stale, but I think that is on the horizon sooner than they maybe think. The other thing is, is he, you know, like like you said, he's drawing attention to a sport where if this was a fight versus uh, Tommy Fury versus name another boxer, sure. I wouldn't have watched it. I wouldn't have had the draw. I think it was the the allure of wanting because he's played the bad guy. Him and his brother both yeah. play the heels so well. You want to see them get their ass kicked. You want to sure. see them get knocked out. So, and he ended up not losing a straight match. He lost by split decision. So right. one of those judges gave him the win. And I will tell you, it was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. In fact, he actually landed a knockdown on Tommy Fury. You could say it was a knockdown. You could say it was a slip. It was ruled a knockdown in the eighth and final round. So he put on enough to at least convince one judge that he won that fight. So, again, it, it, it was still so close to where you're like, you know, whether, again, whether or not you think he is an actual fighter, he lost to the first official boxer, he's right. got some skill enough to at least go toe-to-toe with another boxer. Again, both relatively low skill. And, and to your point, sure. Dusty, about the, uh, you know, facing guys who aren't very good or really not in the sport mm-hmm. to kind of pad your record, if you look at the history of boxing, that's pretty much what most guys do. They they get to twenty one and zero before they actually fight somebody worth their salt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, they definitely have a fight number two coming up. His other brother has a WrestleMania match coming up against one of the biggest superstars in that sport. So, for those of you driving around being like, "Come on, man!" like nobody cares, uh, people do apparently. Uh, so, uh, just interesting. So you know, they they, they seem perfect for that entertainment. Uh, I want to talk about this for a little bit before we go to break because something else happened over the weekend. Nate Taylor of The Athletic reports that the Chiefs do not plan on picking up the fifth-year option for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Let's discuss that, right? Um, Isaiah Pacheco basically gave you the the Wally Pip recipe uh, from top to bottom. Uh, pure as day. Isaiah Pacheco was a seventh-round pick uh, rookie this year out of Rutgers. Uh, exceeded expectations, was better than everyone thought that he would be, even though there was a ton, ton of camp pub with Isaiah Pacheco. The the number 10 helped, right? It, it helped wearing 10 the year after the original 10 had left. And everyone kind of had their eye on Pacheco early on. Pacheco finally kind of got in the groove about week seven, eight, nine is when I would say eight or nine is when he really kind of fit his role. And they found the perfect combination for Patrick Mahomes and Brett Veach and Andy Reid. Because Isaiah Pacheco, you now have many or you have multiple years of team control. You don't need to pay him. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, free agent, unrestricted after this year. Chiefs can do something with that. They can make something of that. I know there was somebody that asked Rob when he did the hour from five to six. What if you had the Josh Jacobs situation where Clyde Edwards Elair is your running back on your team and absolutely goes nuts? That's not going to happen. The Chiefs are trying to win a Super Bowl for back-to-back years for the first time in their franchise history. That is the goal going into next year. You don't need to search for it, find it. It's right there in front of your face. That is the goal for the Kansas City Chiefs next year is back-to-back champs. Because then when you do that, you shut the door and everything and everybody shuts up. And the Chiefs like that. Winners like that. And the balance is there. With McKinnon, with Pacheco, you know it works. 
The one thing that was very interesting about about Isaiah Pacheco is that the Chiefs finally had something that you hadn't seen on this team for quite some time. And that was you had a closer. Isaiah Pacheco was able to get the ball in the fourth quarter and was trusted enough because if you remember, there were a couple of fumbles that kind of made you like, okay, well, don't like that. And once that was polished and once that was addressed, I think once the once the head man in charge, Andy Reid, kind of, you know, gave IP the conversational talk that he has, that father and critical, you know, just conservative criticism kind of conversation, like, hey, man, like, you're going to be really good for this team and you're going to do a lot of great things. But if, gosh, dog it, if you can't hold on to that football, man, and, and you know, you, you kind of strike that father fear into somebody, it clearly paid off. And Isaiah Pacheco with this offense, with this rhythm and these type of plays that got more and more enhanced as he got into this season, it was very, very obvious that you knew what was coming in the Clyde Edwards-Alaire's news. Not a surprise. Yes, a first-round pick. It was a very end of the first-round pick. It is a running back, and it is evidence as to why you can find guys like Isaiah Pacheco, who you found in the seventh round, a rookie out of Rutgers, who probably should have really came out into the draft this year. But obviously, you know, you don't know everybody's background. Sometimes you take the opportunity where you know you can get it and start your own life. And now Isaiah Pacheco is going to have a life in Kansas City for at least the next three to four years. And if this offense has this type of balance, that makes what's coming up tomorrow, the combine, a little bit easier to look out for. Of course, remember, you can hear coaches in interviews. I believe Veach and Reed will probably be available at the combine tomorrow. Hear all of that here on 610 Sports Radio. 913 610 Dusty Likens with you after hours here. We come up on the other side rule changes in the NFL. They seem to make sense, but this one doesn't. And they say there's only three times that they could actually find where fault was wrong. We know of one. I'll explain what that is next and how the NFL can continually make. Back in on After Hours, Blake, Dusty with you. You want to let the people know who you are tonight, or you want to you want to keep being a mystery? Well, we I think to- the mask has to come off, Dusty. The people got to know. Do we want to do that tomorrow? Are you here tomorrow night? Um, I, th- I might be. I might be switching with Lucas, but I okay. will be back Thursday officially. But so I think Thursday is have- not you, right? No, it is. Thursday we have an hour because it'll be Vern's hot stove. Then you get me. Then you get Jerome Pootie Tang. Um, fantastic movie, which he needs to start going by. Um, so why don't we do it? Thursday's the reveal. Thursday we'll let the people know who Blake is. I love it. Let's do okay, it. Okay, there you go. Well, he's with it. it. He's here tonight. You say Luke's. So we already know. Spoiler alert: Luke's coming in tomorrow night. Fair enough. Possibly, uh, I might make a, a surprise guest appearance, but as of right now, I think he is. Okay, so you know he is. Um, <laughs> we're here till nine tonight. We're here till nine tomorrow night. Wednesday, no show. K State will take over. Thursday, we've got you for an hour. Friday, three hours, and then Sunday. Um, Sunday we'll be back. I don't know why there's so much hate towards the orange starburst on Twitter. Somebody said sour patch jelly beans will change your life. They got sour patch everything now. Also, I don't know if this is a hot take hater of Swedish fish and Twizzlers. Not a fan. Twizzler pull and peel. Different story. Regular ass Twizzlers. Get them away. Twizzlers, red vines, black licorice, all of it can go. My I, my sister used to love Swedish fish, tried <laughs> to push it on me. 
I I willfully said no. Still don't like her to this day. I just don't understand what it is about Swedish fish. Like it was it, just a it was a fad. It's just like it's rubber. It's red plastic. Can you like Swedish fish and then not like gummy bears? I mean, they're the same thing. No, gummy bears are different. Because gummy bears, there's at least a different flavor and they have a different texture. Whereas like Swedish fish, it's just like it's like a corpse's tongue. Not that I know what that feels like, but not into it. Um, Carrington Harrison, who does the drive from 2 to 6, Monday through Friday. Unless, of course, the Royals play at a very convenient time of 2 p.m. Then he doesn't do the drive. Rob Brenton does it. You heard him today. And Carrington had a pretty interesting tweet. And his tweet today more so was saying that, and and I get it, these are always the ones that kind of shake, you know, the foundation of Chiefs fans. But unfortunately, this is kind of the way that business works. And Carrington Harrison tweets, and he says, my logic for a Snee trade is that Chiefs have shown an ability to draft and develop corners without ever try, without ever tying up a bunch of assets or cap space. Your one to three is set with McDuffie, Watson, Williams, plus whatever you draft. It's something I'd call around and see what's worth. Again, he's not advocating that they do it. He's just saying this is a move that kind of speaks volume with a Brett Veach resume and with the current time that the Chiefs are in. We also know that there's a lot of people that I think now can comfortably say that you probably trust Brett Veach as to whatever he does for the next few years. You trusted Dayton Moore long enough. Brett Veach deserves at least three years because everybody gave Dayton Moore at least three. Now, I'm not saying he's going down the same path. That's clearly not the case because I think out of the last 21 draft picks that Brett Veach has had, 20 of them are on the roster. We know about this year with all the rookies that started and played and made an impact, and we know that how he fluctuates the roster is, is, is done very well. In fact, when he was on Pat McAfee's show, Jay Binkley let me know he said this when it comes to how he and Andy Reid discuss roster movement or development or where they're going to go when it comes to setting the base for this empire that these are these two men are building. Well, I think um, to start, just the simple fact that I really came up and I've experienced every level. I mean, he, <clears throat> I started out as coach's assistant, and then from coach's assistant, I was, um, I was an office scout, a Midwest scout, a Southeast scout, a national scout, um, and then a kind of co-director. So on one end, I kind of, um, in regards to building a draft board and doing a free agency plan, I've, I've kind of worked at every level. But I think Coach has seen me work at every level, and we've been together so long. So I think that there's such a huge amount of, of, of trust and respect. And um, I think when Coach goes into a free agency or an offseason plan, we have worked together for so long that when I come to him and, and let him know what me and my staff are thinking in regards to here the guys we're targeting with some other guys, but this is what we're thinking, and I, and I kind of mirror that with the – draft board and positions and stackings, basically trimming off all the fat for him and just giving him real information instead of watching 14 offensive linemen. Coach, take a, t- pick a, you know, take a peek at two or three of these guys. We'll probably select one of them. Here's what we're thinking. 
we're we've been together so far for so long now where it's more of a I'm cool with it I'm cool with it um, and still peeking at some tape but we're not draining everything out of him um, having him watch all this tape all this time I mean he's really just coming in touch base with us um, get inside of our minds see what see what our thinking but Pat I just think over the years there's so much trust now it's um, it, it's one of those things where obviously you know I wouldn't sit there and dial down to coach Reed on a third and three and say, here's what I'm thinking, coach, let's run this. Because obviously, I mean, he's a brilliant hall of fame coach. Um, and I'm nowhere ever trying to put myself in his category. So you kind of get the vibe of the relationship that is Brett Veach, Andy Reed, when it comes to these two on being in the same page, lots of history, lots of chemistry, lots of tenure time together, which equals trust which is kind of like what you need in Brett Veach. And when Legarius Sneed is brought up in Carrington's tweet about trading him, it kind of makes sense. Traverius Ward, very similar to that. Tyreek Hill, very similar to that. Legarius Sneed on the other side of it is a very, very effectively good corner. In fact, this was the year where they finally took him out of his old role and said, you know what? Maybe if we have you shadow their best receiver, then maybe things might go a little bit easier on the defensive side. That is correct. Do I believe if they have Legereus Sneed on this team next year, they can have a chance, legitimate chance, at running it back for a Super Bowl? 100%. Do I still think they can get it done in the draft and find somebody that could really help and lean on these rookies from this last year to be a more effective role this year? 100%. There is nothing that can season someone more than in their first year going the entire length of the entire season and a gauntlet of an AFC with gobs of talent going up against NFC receivers like Devonta Smith and, and AJ Brown in the biggest game of the entire stage. Yes, I do believe there are a lot of things that can make these young kids a little bit more seasoned. It is not a far stretch cry to think that Legereus need could be in a conversation of trade. He is going to demand a ton of money after this year. You will not have team control of Legereus need after this year. And if there's one thing that Brett Veach seems to do pretty effectively and pretty well, it's finding corners in the middle gap of the draft. I know McDuffie was a first-round pick. He was a good first-round pick. But again, Watson and Williams, later-round picks that worked out, that worked in this system. You have a defensive line that's gotten better. Yes, there are questions on contracts. But again, you're not going to be able to pay, which is the unfortunate part about the NFL, Chris Jones, Legereus Sneed, Frank Clark coming back, Juju Smith-Schuster if you want him, McCole Harbin if you want to bring him back on a friendly deal, Juan Thornhill as well. None of that is going to happen. That's why you see draft picks being made, and that's why Brett Veach has the trust and the experience to move guys and do what's best for this team because let's be honest, you've been to three Super Bowls, you've won two of them, you've been to five straight AFC championship games. I rest my case. On the other side, on the other side, MLB. We talked about rules being changed. MLB doing its job as well. There's still a few things the MLB needs to fix, but they're starting to dabble in the Kool-Aid that is the NFL, and I kind of like it. Here on After Hours, I explain why on 610 Sports Radio. Somebody says from the text line from the 913, Swedish fish are just a little harder than gummy bears. You're supposed to suck on them so they get more gummy. It's all in the flavor. Um, 
So this is going to sound weird to say out loud, but I'm never going to suck on any candy to get it gummier to make it taste good. Yeah, no, I, that, I, my thought was right there with you. I, I'm not going to – I don't even like Jolly Ranchers like that. Maybe that's just a hard candy thing, but if I've got a – if I've got to suck on something to get some flavor out of it, enjoyment on it, I'm probably going to pass. Yeah, I don't need that candy. Swedish fish. Not a fan. Blake, Dusty with you here on After Hours tonight. Coming up a little bit later, I want to talk about this. Uh, about I don't know which is worse, Live Golf or XFL. I'm dead serious. I really, I really don't know. I don't know what product is going to be gone first. Probably the XFL, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. We'll get into college hoops around 7.15. But right now I want to talk about how baseball is kind of portraying itself as we're listening, kind of. Um, There was a tweet that came out today. It was pretty funny. It was the Oakland Rays or Oakland A's cap was like $55 million. New York Yankees is $355 million. There are many things wrong with baseball. They are doing their best to, I guess, if I had to make a suggestion of what baseball is doing to give it an analogy, it is they've got about two or three guys pailing water over the boat that is halfway in the air and halfway in the water. It's not sinking. It's not officially sunk, but it's, you know, it's not doing good, to say the least. And I do give credit where credit is due with the MLB. I do think that Major League Baseball has realized that it has a problem, and I do think that they have plans moving forward. I also am a firm believer that if you're going to change, you cannot just completely rip the face off. You've kind of got to you got to do some beauty work around it. If you completely take the face off of something, people are going to respond in a very weird way. But if you let them know that something's coming little by little with change, you can kind of ease your way into it. The NFL has done very well with this. The NFL has known about problems, fixed them to a point where you think to yourself, okay, that's not bad. Slowly but surely, they changed the overtime rules. They changed extra points. It's a further back kick, but it's closer if you go for two. Makes you think they're going to propose a few more rules. And baseball, not saying it's huge, but it's fixed a few things this year. The pitch clock that we've seen, and we talked about this on Sunday, how they called out a guy who had a 3-2 count in a tie game in the bottom of the ninth for taking too long and got a third strike called and he was over. We go to extra innings. Maybe a bit egregious. That's a very, very drastic example of how this can happen, but it can happen that way. The other thing that's been fixed that's kind of nice is the shift. I thought the shifts kind of got a little jumpy of the shark. We kind of went a little too far. And that all started in like 02 with Bonds or with just heavy pull hitters that hit from the left side. It was just there was no third baseman or shortstop. There was just everybody on the right side of the field. 
a little annoying. And I watched a little bit of minor league baseball or spring training baseball day as the Cardinals and the Mets were playing. And there were a few hits, and the announcers were quick to it to say that if there were shifts, that's probably not a base hit. I'm sorry, but runs equal fun and entertaining stuff. That's a way to make that happen. But there are a few things that baseball could fix in the near distant future. One of which is we don't need 162 games. And I feel that the reason that they don't want to get rid of 162 games is because they're very proud of their sport, but they're also very contradicting of their sport. Because a lot of the guys that hold a lot of major records for their sport are looked upon as black eyes of their sport. Nobody wants it. Nobody wants to look at it, cover it up, and hide it. Well, baseball, this is very easy to understand. Nobody cares about records anymore. At least in your sport. Because every major record doesn't matter. The home run record, we're not talking about it because it's held by what you consider someone who is not officially into your respect category. The all-time hits record doesn't matter. You don't care about it. And the records that we're clinging on to are records that are never going to be touched again because the sport doesn't have that type of necessity Cal Ripken's record will never be broken. It'll never be approached. It'll never be even, there won't even be anybody within a thousand games of it. Also, no one's breaking DiMaggio's record of 56 consecutive games with a hit. DiMaggio played back in World War II. Back when you had to like go fight a war and the guys that were playing your league were not the most talented all the way around. There's too many ways to get people out these days. There's too much pressure with media these days. Not saying there wasn't in Joey D's day, but we don't need a hundred games because we don't care about your records anymore. And if you do care about your records and your hall of fame, where you have enough money to do it, make a separate wing. It'll be your most popular one. I guarantee it. And put all your cheaters that you think down that wing, put Clemens, put a rod, hell put bonds, put, Put Rose, put them all down that wing. And I guarantee you there'll still be people that go down that hall and look at those athletes and say, actually, to be fair, nobody was better than this guy. And this guy didn't necessarily need steroids. Plus, there's people that you probably didn't even know they were doing them before it was popular to say they did them. I'm not saying put Sammy Sosa jerseys in the Hall of Fame. But I'm saying shorten your season and put a cap on your sport. What do you think about this, Dusty? The reason they had 162 games in the first place, the reason they made the entire season so no long sports. is because there wasn't because there was no other major sports. Yeah, there was no football. You needed entertainment. There was, but nothing ran. And that's why it's like America's favorite pastime. Exactly. Pastime text line. You have to have at least 162 games a season. That's what makes the summer so good. Nice weather, vacationing time, baseball every day. Sure. That's completely wrong. From the first part, you don't need 162 games to enjoy baseball in the summer. You could have 100. You don't need to start March 29th. I went to the Royals home opener last year. Why? Because Bobby Wood Jr. was on the roster. It snowed. That's a fact. It snowed. Everyone was bundled up. The crowd was small because it was cold and no one cared. Have 100 games and start the season in mid-April. 
and yet you still have your full summer. And if you want to ramp up the season as the summer kind of comes into the season where you have more double headers, where you have more, you know, my plan, which we're getting too long into this, we'll bring this up a little bit later tonight. But again, to this to this text, you have to have at least 162 games. That's what makes the summer so good. Nice weather, vacation time, and baseball every day. Totally agree with baseball in the summer. It's a summer sport. It's not an early spring sport, which is where it's getting played right now. In fact, it's also to this other texter, you need more double headers because the World Series is October. It's too damn cold. That's funny. The World Series is actually in November because the season's so damn long. And you don't need 162 damn games to know who the best team is. And we can talk about the NBA, too, because you don't need 80, 81 games. That'll really take that loading penalty out. Play like 62 games in the NBA and play 100 in the, in the MLB. Somebody from the 816, 100 is way too low. It's not. More like 120 to 130. Then you're taking out 162. I don't need 120 games to know. I need 50 games, all-star break, 50 games. Perfect. And once August, September, October, once football and college football start, nobody cares unless your team is the Yankees or the Red Sox or whoever's in the playoffs. But if they don't care, they're going to care more because you don't have the other 62 games to filibuster. Baseball's too long and baseball's not expensive enough. You need more caps. You need more cap in sports. And again, if you needed to start out at a number that is maybe not like a strict one like the NFL, then set it to where it's like, oh, there's a cap, but it's like, okay. But at least you wouldn't have teams that had an all-star from one to eight like you do in L.A. and New York. You wouldn't have that. Baseball's trying, though. We'll revisit that a little bit later on. It's 7 o'clock here on After Hours. You come back on the other side. There's a discussion. It's kind of weird how the Chiefs and the Patriots are just going to consistently chase each other until the end of time. I explain why on the other side here on After Hours on 610 Sports Radio.